Greetings and welcome to CritCast episode 28, where I'm going over another guide, this time about the Orc Commandos kill team. But before we get into things, I am joined by Scrivo again. How are you, Scrivo? Yeah, I'm not too bad. Cannot complain, really. Bit warm, I mean, but... Yeah, we are. I mean, we are. You guys are lucky there are no cameras on for this. Like, oh, uh, it's quite moist. We're not in the same room, just to clarify. Could be. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Uh, but we're just quite Keep moist. digging. Keep yeah. digging. And I'm a bit pink. Because <laughs> I went outside. Oh, yeah, I got some burnt too on my arm. One arm. That's not what everyone at home is thinking. It's because I was driving, right? Right. I don't have this weird fascination with one arm in the window. Uh, <laughs> but what, what have you been up to, Scrimfer? <laughs> Oh, I've been playing a bit of 40k. So, did a. Uh, so, I went to AOS Worlds. Nice. Just after we last recorded, I think. And then I went did a team tournament for 40k last weekend. And then this weekend, I had my last games of 40k yesterday. And I went 2 uh, 1 at a, uh, a little local tournament, which was fun. Nice. Ended really the nice. last game of, of my edition against my friend Adam, who you know. We had a game, and we were both just like, "No, this is not. This is not how I want to end it." And we, I won eighty-two, and he won eighty-one. So it was like literally like the way to end an edition with a mate with a one-point oh. kind of decider. So it was kind of nice. And now, I'm, now I'm not going to play forty k for a while. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I, I actually haven't played ninth edition. I realized because um, you know it happened over lockdown, and I just never because by the time it was playable, everything was a mess. So. Kind of know how you feel. And you found your love of kill team, didn't you? At that point, I, th- yeah. I suppose. I mean, I, I, I looked at tenth edition. I was like, I'm going to write, Tyr- I'm going to run Tyranids. Then the Tyranid point came, points and data sheets came out, and I was like, maybe not. And then I was like, the Elder points came out, and I was like, this is amazing. I own almost everything apart from a Wraith Knight. DW have made the best edition. I don't know why people are upset. Tenth edition is great. It's a great game. Everyone was right. It's amazing. Very quick, despite how big armies have gotten. It's a great, great game system. Uh, but Kill Team is better. <laughs> but because uh, I got, I actually have my tenth edition review box that I need to get done. So I'm actually just going to do it as an article. Because the interesting thing is, I learned this from other boxes. Uh, because Games Workshop gave Leviathan to so many people actually wasn't worth me reviewing on my YouTube because there was like diminishing returns because so many people got to leak review stuff early compared to other reviewers. It's not worth it. So I, I, but that's why I have my article, my blogs, so I can just put stuff on the blogs because the blog gives me more freedom. Although my blog actually gets more views than my YouTube, which is weird. So. So what you're telling me is you've got the Space Marine half of a Leviathan box that you could uh, pass on to your friend Scrivo. No, nice. man, they're going to be my Black Templars. You're not ever going to play them. Will, I will play Space Marines narratively, and then Elders when I, when I don't want to make friends. And I just want to go to a tournament, turn up, and go, game's over in 30 minutes. I'm on the top tables. Let's go get a drink, right? <laughs> You're a horrible person. Speaking <laughs> of uh, being a horrible person... Um, I actually brought Chaos Cults to a London tournament. Um, I had no practice yeah. games. And uh, I came 
seventh out of nearly 30 people, I think. But it's because I only lost to Chaos Colts as well in the mirror in the final. Um, and Seems at, fine. Yeah. Uh, so as I'll say, um, I said to everyone at the tournament, Chaos Colts are dumb, really dumb. But if you want to win an event, Chaos Colts, they're not bad. Not bad. They're the Eldar of Kill Team now. Oh, God. <laughs> You're not selling oh, yeah. them to me. So I've got them to sell out of my box because I don't really want them. And I think you've just solidified that stance for me. If you have the Chaos Cults kill team, now is the time to sell. Before the balance day is late, now is the time to sell. You go to your friend, look, they've won all these tournaments. It could be you. There you go. 23 models. Bang. Yeah. That's- or you sell them to a 40k player that just wants the uh, Cultist models. Are they actually good in 10th edition? Not clear. <laughs> I <But> mean, uh, <laughs> well, go on. Give someone something to, to use, like models that they might want. Have you been doing anything non-40k, by the way? Um, I'm currently, whilst we're talking, actually building droids from Shatterpoint, because apparently I like collecting game systems. You have picked the, an interesting game to pick. Because I'm, I'm, it's like I'm positive. I'm positive on it. I think it's a good game releasing at the horrible time. Like I think it's the worst time they could have released this game. Uh, there's never a good time. There's always something else coming out. But the way I've seen it is, it's like Legion. I play it for fun, pick up games with friends that I wouldn't see otherwise. So yeah, that's fine. And I, I think sometimes we all take these sorts of games a little bit too seriously, myself included. I've- so. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> nothing, <laughs> nothing wrong with that. Uh, whoo, it's getting, getting hot in here. So, <laughs> but wait, wait, you know what's funny? I was running out of videos to make because I, I basically um, reach a... Uh, every time there's a balance day, it's like it stops what I want to make because I can't talk about stuff until... I see what's happened with the balance data slate because I want to do more guides, but I can't do more guides yeah. on the, teams the I time, want to talk about. Time fragile, right? Yeah. So I was like, you know what? I'll just talk about how I was wrong about Into the Dark. It won't gather that much, right? It's one of my most popular videos of the year. It turns out not only do people like my battle reps more when I lose, they love videos where I just continually talk about how wrong I was. So, um, yeah. Learn something very important as a content creator, right? I was just like, you won't prefer, do that. I well. prefer I prefer it when you're wrong too. Yeah, everyone does. Everyone loves when I'm wrong and when I lose. So I know what to do when <laughs> gets droughts. All right. Any anyway, so we are talking about uh, all commandos. So all commandos. Oddly talking about like. Um, guides for teams I want to do. I think all commandos are fairly safe. They've been buffed recently after a long string of nerfs and like going over their buffs. So actually they're nerfs. It's a team I'm deeply involved with if you know the kill team lore. Um because originally you used to be able to take two dynamites and you had an ability called Dacker Dash where for one action point you could dash and shoot, or shoot and dash. Now, some genius, some 
wise, Some good abusive player. bastard that wanted to ruin it for the rest of us, is what you're saying. <laughs> um, he figured out you could put a dynamite on this Daka dashing guy, and if you gave him plus one APL, he could dash and then throw a dynamite. Which is very good if he forwards deploys more than six inches away from your opponent. Anyway, Which is something that orcs can do, right? Yeah, Weirdly. yeah. Anyway, after that, someone went to Warhammer World. No idea who won all their games, and orc commandos finished first, second, and third, and fourth. But one of them was doing this Daka Dash combination. So eventually, they changed Daka Dash. So Daka Dash now only works with the shoot action itself which made sense because otherwise it's not just um, they didn't just change it so you can't work it with dynamite. They changed it so you can't work with the stick bomb, which is your frag grenade, because otherwise you could move Dakadash throw your frag grenade. Right, so they got rid of that. And then eventually they they limited you to one dynamite, which to be honest, they did that via limiting all. Um, No, they actually limited you to one dynamite first, then they did it as a universal. Yeah, because I think they then realized that maybe... Too much of a good thing was bad and for everyone. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because basically, I forgot to mention what dynamite is. It's four attacks hitting on threes, five, six, blast white AP1, range red, uh, indirect. So basically, someone would go, I'm nicely safely deployed. And then you would just go plus one APL. You have one turn to react. And they'll go, oh my gosh, I'll move one guy. And then you dynamite them, right? Oh, no. Yeah, Daka Dash, because, yeah, so it was like. Basically, you could move dash. Yeah, you could move Daka dash and dynamite. Effectively, it was give, getting mobility on a DAC, on a dynamite, which is dumb. Um, but ever since they got those nerfs, they have actually struggled quite a bit. They've always been one of the most popular kill teams in the game up until uh, intercession released, and then they kind of dropped behind uh, legionary, and then they dropped off. But in the last balance day, it's like three months ago, they got a nice buff. That's some clairvoyant, humble, handsome, competent player suggested. He totally suggested. Uh, I am not a playtester. Please, I am. I generally. You just not spoiled. I thought it was some other guy. Jeez, John. Jeez. Please, uh, generally though, I'm not a playtester. Honestly, I know, please. I'm just, I'm just teasing you because you get really annoyed when people say it. So I'm, I'm going to keep saying it. I'm not a playtester though. Please. Anyway, uh, so I suggest. I suggested, I'm really not a playtester. I suggested, um, I really hope I'm wrong about the next balance day. It's like, uh, so I suggested that the in one of my videos in public, not via whatever smoke signals playtesters communicate via, I suggested that when they're you called, select... They're called emails. Yes, when you select the grot, you also get, uh, instead of, if you don't select a boy, you get the grot and the bomb squeak. And that's really helped the team because that got in. And that's the only buff they've received because it pushes you up to 11 activations. But as we'll get through this guide at the moment, it, this buff has tremendously helped the team way more than I even thought it would. Like, not only has it given them an extra activation, it's given them more threat, more utility, and they actually play well into a lot of the meta, as we'll get into. Like, uh, John, what do you think of their history? Yeah, so it was interesting, because they were one of the first um, kill teams. As I've gone kind of through Season 2 especially, I found that they were find- I was finding them a lot more um, dated. Like a lot yes. of their design principles felt 
weaker than similar kind of equivalents. Like it was always kind of like, oh, they've, they've found this cool way of imp- kind of doing something combat based, and they've given it to someone else, and it just ends up being downright better. And you're just like, oh, that's a shame. But it shows where there's been the evolution of the game. So it's just, it's the it's the challenge, I guess, where you if you're an earlier iteration of a team, you're always going to have that to some extent, I suppose. No, I agree. I mean, the weirdest thing, though, this little buff has pushed them up to compete. Compared to, like, normal GW games, like, the thing is, when you have a GW game and you get a new edition, there's all this hype, no matter what game system it is, and then you never want to be the first... You never want to be the army on release or the first, like, four army books, codexes, because you're, you're like, the beta version if that makes sense yeah so that they haven't got their feet so like a good example is 40k for ninth edition we got to things like tau and all that lot and by that point they'd figured out what they wanted to do and it was so much better than a lot of the other books and it was actually quite disgusting so it was very much a haves and the haves not so but commandos and vet guard have teams are teams that have like stood the test of time which is actually pretty nice it's nice, and that that's uh, something I think that's quite good to celebrate. That the uh, the rules were probably achieved by kind of trying to keep some balance to it with their support from the the playtesters. So no, they've done a really good job, and generally, as someone who is not a playtester, that's it's honestly they've done a really good job, especially yeah. for Games Workshop. Like, yeah, because they, no they can often be heavy-handed, and I feel like a lot of the uh, the changes that we see in Kill Team are quite kind of level-headed, and like they'll kind of put it forward and then after a bit of kind of play, I've not seen them kind of do a second dunk on something. So I think they get it right the first time, which is good. Most of the time. Most of the time. Most, well, I mean, like the the the, um, the, the erratas and changes rather than being... Oh, so, I, I know I see rules, rules are pretty hard to get right. Yeah. I mean, there's some buffs they've messed up, like, uh, what do you call it? Hunter Clade and Lucy and Star Striders. But they level out after a while, I would, yeah. I would say. But for the commando strengths, so... This kill team, like the main strength is that you're either 10 or 11 activations because you've, uh, you're taking 10 commandos, uh, yep. which is 10 activations because generally you want at least 10 activations. But when you take the grot and uh, the bomb squeak, you go up to 11, which is really important because it means you out-activate actually a lot of the game. The only teams you don't out-activate are blooded, wormblade, but wormblade you kind of do because... Uh, their group activations are after turning point one. Um, you only have... I think, if what? you get past that. Yeah, but you, <laughs> you only have uh, Vet Guard. That was a, that was a joke. We, I understand. Vet Guard have 12 activations as comparison. So you yeah. you you almost match Vet Guard. Currently, uh, Inquisition have the most activations at 13. Generally, I think the game shouldn't go above 12 activations. But having 11 activations, really, really good. And then the yeah. other strength is um, your body. Like, the orc body is a really nice thing in a non-sexual way. As in, like, they're 10 wounds. 10 wounds is really good because yep. 7 to 8 wounds, you've got these weird breakpoints, but 10 makes you just enough survivable you're not too much like a marine but yep. 10 wounds gives you a nice break point remember you need to suffer four wounds to get injured so at five wounds you're not injured it has to be less than half yeah so it's a really good stat line that yep. generally all your melee is four five damage four attacks in on freeze but four five damage across the board 
means it's unless it's your gunners who just have fists, right? Generally, it's actually not a good idea for non-melee teams to charge you. Yes. Because you, you, you just smack them in the face and you can go, kapow! And on paper, while this team looks like a mixed take-all-comers list, and by that I mean it's got ranged elements and it's got combat elements, I would say this team is more of a shooting-kill team, I would say. I, I agree. It's how I've often played them, so... I mean, it's how I played them as well. The, um, even even like excluding that they can't do the double dynamite days. But yeah. you have your rocket boy, who's really good. Your sniper boy, who's good. Your daca boy, who's good. And then you have one dynamite and then probably another grenade. And that's actually, yeah. on the considering the wounds, and the bomb squig is technically a shooting attack as well. I would say the bomb squig is a shooting operative more than a combat operative. Yeah. Um, it's a close range. It's a It's a walking grenade. But basically, you actually have a lot of shooting threats. Um, you've got some melee pieces, but you're more of a shooting team, which is weird, but oddly fitting for orcs. That's because commandos aren't your archetypal <laughs> orcs. They are doing something that orcs don't traditionally do. Orcs, as a, a race, don't sneak around. That They think that's cowardly normally, so they are actually quite unusual in that respect. Yeah, and they also um, uh, yeah think a bit. Not too much, but just enough. Cunning but brutal, not brutal but cunning, my friend. Exactly. Um, you also have a really good ability where you can charge from conceal, which is called throat letters, which means unless you're you're using your shooting operatives, which is just mainly your... Um, if you try and throw a dynamite or you're using your Dakar boy or uh, rocket boy, yeah. everyone can fire, everyone can just stay on conceal. So you can yep. actually make it really hard for people to deal with you, especially on heavy boards, because you can just freely move up while doing some shooting. Yeah, because like Sniper Boy for 2CP can, uh, 2PL can um, can do a, a shoot from Conceal, which is really handy. It was kind of the first of that that kind almost, wasn't it? Because that and the, the Sniper for Vet Guard, right? Uh, the Sniper for Vet Guard is silent as long as they don't move or dash. Yeah. So but, it gave gave him the option that he could still charge if he needed to. Oh yeah, so and he's got liked. a really nice. Uh, I would call it the way fuselage should be. So for two action points, he can shoot at every. So you pick a target, and then everyone within white of that target, uh, you hit with four dice instead of six, and you just sh- shred them. This is really good. Like commanders are really good at crowd control, which is nice, and you have a really good selection of ploys, both strategic and tactical, like. Your your main tactical like strategic ploys is like shush, where once per game you just do a free dash as long as you're more than red from enemy operatives. So literally, you generally do that turning point one to just go. Oh, I, I mean, I keep forgetting about shush, but it's literally like commandos will just go. Oh yeah, they're setting up in the open. This is fine, and then they all dash blue towards me, which is um, terrifying, especially on into the dark. Daka 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 is actually really good if you roll any crits. Um, you can select one of your failed hits to be a hit. So it makes you even more accurate because a lot of orc shooting is pumping five dice or more. So you're, you've got over a 50% chance to roll a crit, which makes you way more accurate. War isn't that great. We'll just kind of ignore that. And Skulk About is interesting. As long as yeah. you have a conceal order, you get to retain an extra dice in shooting. So if you're in cover and you're being shot from advantage or whatever, you're retaining two dice. But if you're in the open, you're still retaining a dice. I found that a very helpful one for survivability on um, certain boards. Yes. Um, 
it's oddly really good. Actually, it might not work with Vantage because if you're on a Vantage point, they treat you as having an engage order. They say if it has a conceal order. So that's it's a bit iffy. But going off the Tyranid FAQ, their lurk, which has similar wording, you would still get to auto-retain, which is good. And then yeah. you've got your one of your best. Like, all these ploys are really good. So the tactical ploys, like, it's just really good. So you've got Sneaky Git. So up to three operatives, because at the moment we start with three command points before we start the game can deploy, excluding the bomb squig, more than red from enemy operatives, but within black of heavy terrain. So it allows you to effectively deploy several charging units or units with dynamite, more than red from your opponent, and then you can just do like turn one charges and stuff. Yeah. Harder to use if you're the defender because your opponent sees where you go, so they just put people on engage nearby, but really powerful. Like, especially if the board it's an allows opportunity. It to. Yeah, it's an opportunity. And I found sometimes if people don't haven't got the experience against commandos, it can really catch them out. Oh, Not yeah. To say that it's when... a gotcha, but it can be a gotcha. Yeah, like you can use this to set up on vantage points, make it really punishing. You can just have amazing board control from turning point one. Then you've got Crumpum, which is what I like to call the surprise, where at the end of the turning point, you can select a one friendly commander operative. It can perform a free fight action. So if someone's like charge blocked you, or you just like charged, you fought someone and then charged into someone else. They thought they're safe. You just go punch and tire, which is yeah. it's a really nice surprise move. Everyone forgets about it, right? And slasher, have... slasher boy combined with that can be really quite nasty as well, right? Oh yeah, slasher boy and the knob love crumpum, especially the knob because people will just forget. Um, and then you've got your main bread and butter, just a scratch, where for one CP. You can ignore any one attack dice. So it makes you even more survivable because it technically gives you plus X wounds. If something did 20 wounds, you could spend the CP. If it, as long as that 20 wounds was in a single hit, you can ignore that. So it's just a scratch. Yeah. And remember, your Grot can't do this. Yeah. Oddly, oddly, the Squig can. can. Yes. But I don't think you ever would. No. I mean, unless you were like... My bomb squig next activation is going to murder someone, and that that was a lucky hit that got through. But yeah, and then your other main strengths are talking about your operatives wise is your knob, mainly because of his utility. Every time he activates, he gives someone plus one APL within red, so either himself or someone else. But when you've just got passive plus one APL, that's huge. Like a common tr like thing is putting the dynamite on him and stuff, but. Him having that utility makes him a real threat because he can go like, oh, I'll give plus one APL to myself, charge you, boop the point, kill you. I'm going to charge. I'm going to activate. Give give this guy who has activated plus one APL. So next turning point, their free APL will give someone like I'm activating next. Gives you a lot of flexibility. Your Breacher Boy is really good as just a threat piece. Generally, you're giving him the dynamite because his special rule is Breach, where he can move through pieces of terrain that are less than black, black or less thick without as if they're not there. So all of a sudden he can like walk through barricades, walls, and appear in places he really shouldn't be, which is really annoying to deal with. And then finally, you also have your Grot, who is really useful as a utility piece for scoring tack ops because of his grappling hook. Amazing. Yes. For one action point, you select a point on a terrain feature that's visible to the Grot, very important, and then you make an unlimited normal move with fly. And then you have to earn within black at that point. Um, you can't dash, it can't, well, you can dash, but it counts as a normal move, but you can just like use them to score tack ops. 
then you've got your bomb squig. So your bomb squig has to be on engage, and it does have a tall antennae that makes it really hard to hide. But it has a dynamite, which is four attacks hitting on threes, five, six, AP one, bomb squig, piercing two. So on a crit, it's AP two. And when it's shot, when it dies, it either blows up on a free up, or if you charge into combat, you detonate and everyone within white just takes everyone visible and within white is hit by the dynamite. So the bomb squig is actually really, really good at threatening clumped up people, especially like on into the dark. It technically gets lethal five up, I believe, because it's yeah. like a blast. Because it's enclosed. Uh, yeah. Yes. But it's really good at punishing people who bunch up, especially as well as a lot of teams in the meta don't have actually have long range shooting at the moment. The bomb squid can just run in and go, hello, and it's like, oh, yeah. And just psh. So those are actually your key operatives, excluding, you know, you've got your melee operatives and shooting operatives, but they're kind of the general thing. These are the key standout operatives for me. Yeah. Uh, do you agree or disagree? Yes, I think so. Like, to me, Slasher Boy is great, but he does one thing really well. And a, lot of time you, he, and a lot of the time, if things are going well, you don't need him to be slashing necessarily, and you can just be murdering people from a distance, which is lovely. Uh, oh, your other strengths are your equipment. So obviously we've covered the dynamite. Amazing. You also have an amazing universal, effectively, equipment choice, which is climbing ropes. Really good on open. Climbing ropes open, open up a lot of avenues for your ranged and melee operatives. It allows you to quickly traverse open boards and make charges or get into positions you couldn't normally. You've also yep. got stun grenades. Really good. Smoke grenades, which... Um, I'll cover in tactics and you've got the chopper, which is probably the best melee weapon. So for two equipment points, you give someone a four, five melee weapon. Yeah. So you can kind of make everyone a good threat. Now we'll come on to commando weaknesses. So their main weaknesses is, I guess it's their armor, right? They're not really good at getting shots. Um, You are durable, um, but you sacrifice that a lot. And the durability cannot be recovered because they haven't really got a way of regaining wounds. No, like no, a lot of no those medics. Do. Yep. Uh, your other weaknesses, you're not actually that good in combat. And uh, the way I say that is dedicated combat teams will usually outfight you because yep. a lot of combat teams are five attacks. They have like balance slash ceaseless slash rending, lethal weapons. Like they. They have more damage a lot of the time as well. Like if we look at your 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 breacher boy, he only has three attacks. In on three yeah. is five five, right? Yeah, it's, it's rough. Slasher boy is actually only good because he's relentless. I think they should have maybe if because commander like orcs in general fight a lot. So I guess you could argue commandos don't. But if we uh, were, if these they, guys they should still they should still follow that kind of basic archetype at least. Well, yeah. So basically, I think if commandos are written now, they'd probably be five attack space because orcs in general should be five attack space. Um, but then they might be too threatening. But like your knob definitely should be five attacks. Your knob is only four attacks, um, either with the chopper hitting on twos with four dice or hitting on threes with four dice. Five, six or five, seven. Actually, is he, he, like, he oddly gets parried out a lot, which is really weird. That's why I tend to do... Um, the power claw on him. Yeah, I see that. I and mean, it's, so th- it's it's not 
always as useful as it'd like you'd like it to be, but it's almost a necessity that you just need to make that raw damage count. I think the knob definitely needs to be five attacks, personally. Like the knob really should have five attacks. Because then I would just always go with the power claw. But it uh, what I'm trying to highlight is your team is not it's not bad in melee if you're first in a team that generally only has four attacks or you're fighting a team that doesn't really have melee specialists you're actually pretty good in combat because once again you can laugh in and just like kill although you have a do you do have a high chance of only rolling two attacks or well, two attacks that hit because your war actually doesn't is worse than daka daka so war is if you spend a cp for a strategy phase for if you get two or more hits, you turn one of your hits into a crit. You don't turn one of your misses into a to a crit. And yeah, it's not even free once per game. You can't even no. like it should be free once per game. Like it should be just an ability, to be honest. But it's this is why I, I say the team isn't that good in melee. So like one of the weirdest things is you get outfought by elves. A lot of elven dedicated combat units like Eldari will just outfight an yeah. orc. And that, that's the shame, because orcs should at least survive that combat, and they don't tend to, which just feels always a bit of a shame. Yeah, uh, like a, an Eldari will charge you with a power weapon and will generally kill you. Like, uh, you're surviving on just a hit, like just a scratch, sorry, but if you don't have just a scratch up, people will just run for you in melee. Um, your yep. other weaknesses outside of your Daka boy and Sniper boy, your long-range shooting isn't that great. You've got your Daka boy, who is good, but he really excels when he's shooting within red because he has yeah. rel relentless. Which you basically need to be consistent. Yeah. I have seen people take overly risky long-range shots with him when it's not worth it. Like, only fire. Like, if, it, if, it, if you have to, fine, take the shot. But I've seen people who just go like, I'm going to shoot you at long range. Like, you can dack a dash back, but there, there was targets they could have gone closer to where they could have moved and dashed and shot and got on that kill where yeah. it, it's just weird, right? And Agreed. There's times where I've just ha I've looked back and I've gone, I should have dashed and waited a turn. Like, go f go hide and then dash out. And then there wouldn't and, be any problems. <laughs> and I think another weakness of this team, this team is very Alpha Strike heavy, but the main problem is if you, after you've done your Alpha Strike, if you actually haven't done that much damage... You can easily be overwhelmed if you've overextended because you've forward deployed so many guys and your dice have been bad or you've made incorrect decisions for trades. You can find yourself turning point two where turning point one, it looks like you were going to win the game. But turning point two, because you actually didn't follow through on it or something's gone wrong, you're now in a position where you're overextended and a lot of the time you'll be relying on, you'll be down to one command point generally and you're stuck on just saving it all for just a scratch. Which is weird. It's basically, how I found I was playing them until the the big the recent patch, I was finding that I was saving my CP just for it's just a scratch, which was fine. But it got to the point where I was like, any of the other cool things I could try to do didn't matter. And then I think the last thing is they actually have a really limited selection of ploys, which is I only realised this now. You have four tactical ploys. One you can only do once, to, like effectively once during the setup. Then you have three tactic, uh, four tact uh, strategic ploys, one you can only do once. So they actually only have seven, but if you look at it, they only really have like six, which is oddly quite strange, right? Yes, it, 
it feel it feels like you're not as dynamic with what you can achieve in the games, which is frustrating because as the uh, edition and season two kind of came out, you look at it and go kind of like, oh, everyone else has got a lot more tricks than me, and they're not as tricks as you'd like for considering them to be sneaky orcs, which is a shame. Yeah, and I, I, another thing, this as you've as you said, this team is actually quite predictable. It's very easy to see where they're going to go, especially after deployment. You can kind of go, okay, my opponent's in my face, but that's all they can really do. And especially once you shut down like the long-range shooters, this team could kind of fall apart. So you kind of have to play against being so predictable, which is really hard. Because there's only so many things you can do without just giving people like the opportunity to do- pick your orcs off one by one. But um, that's pretty much it for weaknesses. Is there anything you think I missed or anything? Not really. Like to me, the big one was the healing. Yeah. Because a lot of war- like kill teams seem to have that sort of facility to just kind of surprise you with just sticking around a bit longer. Yeah. Just a scratch is nice, but it's not anywhere kind of comparative to being able to regen across the board on different like having a medic would be good for them, I think. But yeah. it's a limitation to the kit itself. So. Yes. Um, I can't give you something they don't have in the kit. <laughs> speaking about the kit, we'll now go over how to collect, because I generally cover this for, um, what do you call it, guides. The good thing about how to collect is this t- kill team is one of the best kill teams to actually collect. And when I get around to my video about best kill teams to start with, commanders are great. You only ever need one box because you will get uh, all 10 operatives because you get yep. um, eight specialists and then two boys. And then the box also comes with the grot and the bob squig, right? So it's like um, the only thing. Oh my gosh, building building these are a nightmare because they're all over the sprue. Nothing is near each other that makes sense. It took me like um, two to three hours to build them. I didn't mind them actually as a as a go to thing, but it was. I'm also quite weird in that respect, I guess. Yeah, I I hated it. Um, so if you like how GW kits are ordered, usually this one's horrible, but as for value, it's actually really good, and you will only ever need one box because, like, you generally it doesn't. I gave my commando knob the chopper, so you can go the power claw. It doesn't really matter what weapon you give him, so you generally don't need a second box to get another one. But if you're really desperate, you could probably just eBay a generic command, like a generic knob. Yeah, right. Like it's not exactly the hardest thing, but if you just wanted one box. It's perfect. You don't you don't need anything else. Like I think that's often overlooked because if you look at most kill teams, they're actually designed around having several boxes, like two boxes generally. Um, but this I, kill team, I, is- I feel like the earlier ones weren't as much, and it seems to become more of a problem as they've kind of been more creative with the dynamicness of what the team can be. Yes, I agree. Um, <laughs> but yeah, generally you only need one box for how to collect for tack ops. TACOPS is an interesting thing because they've kind of weaned and waved. Like, mm. I'll go over your faction TACOPS. I would say there's only one good one now, and the only good one you want is... Let me just bring it up. Uh, this, I forget how weirdly ordered the old book is. So <laughs> you've got Blow It Up. It's just not worth it. I used to run it, but that was the old edition, like the old missions. So I would say Shock Tactics is the best. But Shock Tactics is highly map and opponent-dependent. Yes. Shock Tactics is, if an enemy operative were incapacitated during the first turning point, 
score one victory point. You reveal this tack up at the end of the turning point. At the end of the second turning point, if you control more objective markers than enemy operatives, you score another VP. So this generally is what people should expect, but it's highly mission and opponent dependent. Into the dark, you're never taking this because you're never going to get a kill turn one. This your opponent it has never played kill team before. Uh, and if you are, if, if this is the first game, you're too cruel. <laughs> but on open, it's really good. So especially on open where you looks like you can get a turn one charge because you can just go, I'm going to forward deploy the commando. Um, he is going to charge. He can reach two different guys. So even if I lose initiative and you move away, you're dead. Um, the commando, um, what do you call it? Slasher boy will charge and kill someone. Cool. I have now automatically scored one point for shock tactics. And then you need to be in a position where turning point two, you'll know you're going to control the most objectives. Like, I think it's it's weird against elites, but this is great against 10 operative kill teams, I would say. Against stuff like Vec Guard, where they heavily outnumber you, it's risky because they're really good at controlling objectives. Like, I don't, I don't know um, how you would feel about that for shock tactics. Well, I was found against traitor guard, uh, against guard that I'd struggled just generally because of the amount of bodies they had, unless I got the jump on them early. And silly things like if they'd bunched up with me able to get a uh, vantage point and just spray them down with the uh, jack of, uh, sniper boy. Without that, I was always finding that they'd always just have a few too many bodies. Yes. But I mean, like, um, who did you find shock tactics good against? I don't think I often took shock tactics. That's the weird thing. It's like I tended to go with what was what was my three that I used to do most of the time. Oh gosh, make me think, John. Oh no, it's been a while since I've done orcs. Let me get, let me look at the the generic ones. And you took like seek and destroy, I guess, or all infiltration. I think it was infiltration. I generally went to to do. But um, but I I would say shock tactics is like I would take it if you're against someone who's like eleven to ten operative eleven to eight yeah, right yeah it's really good against um, oddly really good against harlequins right hilarious against harlequins I've managed to avoid that matchup <laughs> so I couldn't tell you but it's Somehow. it's good against like elves like Eldari teams like because they're nine operatives. Like uh, even other 10 operative teams, because once again, you are trading, right? You are definitely trading at least the slasher boy for it. But yeah. it's if it's in that kind of situation, it's always worth it because what you should do is aim to multi-charge. So then like you charge one guy, kill them, and then all they can do now with the other operative is fall back or fight you. And either yeah. way, that's a win. I found often it caused my opponent, if they knew what it was they would be a bit more cagey with it, which yes. then meant it was just a, a, a null, but then potentially it was then a situation where they weren't on the positioning they'd want to be to actually score their stuff. Yeah, but it, it, it's highly dependent on the board you're playing. Like, if there's no way yeah. you can sneaky get set up, don't, don't take it. Um, like, the other thing is you can also score this via shooting. So you can sneaky get your Daka boy onto a vantage point and then just shoot, or even your rocket boy, stuff yeah. like that. Um, but it's very matchup and board dependent. Generally, I you can take seek and destroy and infiltration, which is actually a really good mix. But generally, I'd actually recommend I I would say infiltration most of the time. It feels like old infiltration was written for commandos, and even the new yep. infiltration 
feels like a commando centered archetype. As much as I always wanted to play Seek and Destroy with commandos, I had less success with it. So when you kind of said to me, like, have you tried doing more of the infiltration angle? I just went, oh, and then it clicked because I was still looking at them as a, a, a kill team that would be everyone just runs forward, sneaking around and just slashing people up. But in reality, that's not really how they play a lot of the time. Yeah, they are. If you look at this kill team properly, they're more like a whittle you down via shooting and control the boards. Really good at controlling you, the board space. If, you, if, yes. you're, if you're clever with them. Um, they're really good at getting singular kills and then just outlasting. And yeah. if you look at a lot of, uh, like, Implant is really good because, once again, because you're only going to get, you can get, on average, you're getting three to two hits every time you fight. With Implant and just a scratch, you can go, especially if you, like, charge him with the slasher boy. I've got four yeah. hits. Okay, I parry one of your hits, Implant, and kill you. And yeah. then you can, you love charging hitting someone so they're injured and then just staying in combat. So you can now yep. like implant them because the problem your opponent has, especially if that guy's activated, you charge block them. So next activation, uh, next turning point, you can then fight or they have to fall back. So it's really great for you. Um, seize defenses where you have to control enemy barricades is great because you have so much shooting, your opponent wants to put the barricades forward. So yep. that's really good. Um, once again, you've also got gather surveillance, so you need an operative wholly in your opponent's drop zone, more than blue from enemy operatives, with a conceal order, which is designed, I, I'm sure, for the grot. Like grot. it just exists. <laughs> like literally. MVP. Get the grot, shoot onto a vantage point or in a room, because he can technically hook, hook, hook shot onto a wall, right? And he just sits there going, yay, 2CP on objective over there. Like literally amazing. Like there's other good infiltration tack ops but generally you just want infiltration. Like I would always go gather surveillance, uh, not gather surveillance, implant, and then probably seize defenses. Because remember, if your opponent decides to put their barricades at the back of the board, that means you've got more targets to shoot at, right? So, and you, you remember, if, if they put it at the back of the board, you have got the commando grot, right? So it's not exactly unreachable for you. Because especially if you get an angle, you can hook shot under the barricade which everyone forgets. So, I mean, they do seek and destroy well, but we you have to remember their shooting is good, but inconsistent. I found, I don't know if it's the same for you, John. Yeah. When I shot, I either, like, my sniper boy either did, like, six more, like, six crits, or, like, four crits or whatever, just obliterated stuff, or, like, my rocket... Rode like five hits with a crit doing splash damage because of the relentless, because he didn't, didn't stay still. Or they'd roll one hit, one to two hit, stuff like yeah. that. It's normally one or two hits, like 75% of the time. I'd find that Sniper Boy was more of a suppression thing yes. and the damage wasn't as important. But then there'd be that one time where it absolutely goes off and you're just like, oh gosh. And then you remember that more than the other times, if that makes sense. Like you, yeah. you kind of remember him being this good boy for, for that one good bang. And that it feels very orky. Like some, when it works, it really works, but it can be quite frustrating to play. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's like also cause your opponent would be terrified of them. Yeah. Uh, uh, but that's why Seek and Destroy is quite weird. Yeah. What you were saying, sorry. Cause they, it's just like you say, Oh, he's really quite accurate. And people are like, what? An orc that's good at shooting terrifies people. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Even though they go, well, he's only got six attacks, hitting on freeze. 
but if I roll a crit, each hit does a more wound. And they're like, uh, two more wounds. It's like, how many does he got? Six. And they're like, oh, oh. But, you know, you've got Robin Ransack, which they're not bad at. Eliminate Guard, which they're once again not bad at. But if they miss their kill ch- kill chance, they usually miss it completely. And then Rao is okay. But um, yeah. I, I say they, they're much better with Infiltration. I think I think I agree. But now we've done tack ops, so now I'll go on to combos. So I, I guess that's combos. I've been playing Street Fighter Six because of um, what's his name, Logan. You know, I'm actually gonna mm. stop popping down to um. He started uh, if you're in London, they do every Wednesday at Canary Wharf. Like uh, there's this gaming bar, like Street Fighter. Mm. Winner stays on. Yeah. Anyway, for combos to break the combo. So like a lot of combos. The wombo combo. Ooh. So obviously the main combo is Breacher Boy with a dynamite, four deployed, and then you give him plus one APL. Because the other good thing about this kill team is you've got two comms effectively. So you can give it to the you can use the knob to give you plus one APL, or you can use the comms, and then basically turn one, you go move, dynamite, boom. Right? Turn one dynamite. That's your 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 general play if it's safe. Um you can use it with the knob where you have the suicide knob. So the knob has the dynamite, so the knob activates, gives himself free APL, moves and dynamites. The only issue with this, he generally dies, and it's not worth him dying early. No. You want him to live, right? Really want him to live. Um, another sneaky trick I learned recently. So you have smoke grenades. So the Correct. interesting thing about smoke grenades, these are the new wording. If you are if if a cover line goes in to a smoke, whatever. You can't have been obscured, right? So there's no way for actually to be shot while you're inside the smoke unless they have ignore obscuring. So if they, if your opponent doesn't have ignore obscuring, you could take the commando knob, right? Or you can take like the slasher boy, give himself plus one APL. He charges into someone, kills someone, and then drops a smoke grenade on his head, right? From that point on until the end of the turning point, like if you did it on the knob, or the slasher boy, um, they cannot be shot unless they have ignore obscuring. And if your opponent has no ignore obscuring, they can only deal with those guys by charging them. But the problem is you generally don't want to charge a knob or a slasher boy. So if you if you're against vet guard, one like all gun lines, one interesting thing to do, it's harder to do with the slasher boy because you give them time to react. But if you can do it with the slasher boy, it's ideal. But you can also do it, as I said, with the knob where you literally give himself free APL. He charges in, kills someone, drops smoke. And then all of a sudden, no one can deal with him. It's hilarious if your opponent has no way to deal with obscuring and they've only got their gunners on engage because it just messes people up. Like, it's so infuriating, but it's actually a really good tactic because it ensures, and you can do this with multiple operatives, so what you could do is give a, st- a smoke grenade to your commando knob and slasher boy, have the knob do it first, and then give the slasher boy plus one APL and do it again. But generally, you, you want to do the, the DACA bomb, the dynamite bomb. Um, but it's it works. I mean, have you done it before, Scrivo? I've not played around with the smoke grenades. That's actually kind of got me going, oh, this, this sounds yeah. actually quite fun. It's very sneaky, and I like, I like it. Yeah, it's really good. So... Uh, if your opponent doesn't expect it, there's no way for them to see it coming. It will piss them off. Warning, 
uh, one into the wise or whatever, whatever you say it. But hilarious. Words to the wise, yeah. It punishes teams who have no melee pieces or all their melee pieces on conceal because they have no way to deal with it. Um, other tactics are, you know, sneaky getting. So it's like generally you're going to sneaky get your dynamite caddy, your slasher boy, maybe your knob, but also either your daca boy or not your daca boy, your sniper boy or your rocket boy. But it's usually three of those because you can do it three times. Just remember, you will literally only have one command point left for just just to scratch every turn. Um, and I would say save it for that, realistically. Yeah. It's clutch. But, but Sneaky Git is really good, and those are the key operatives you want to do it on. Once again, Climbing Rope. I like putting Climbing Rope on the Slasher Boy and the Knob, as well as your Rocket Boy and sometimes the Daka Boy. Stuff that's going to climb up, especially for the like, scalable you know, because you can do crazy climbs. But it really messes up people when you put it on your melee operatives. Because people often forget this, but you can climb any terrain piece. Like, yes. So um, what messes people up is when you climb... Like, you know, um, you've played at Warhammer World, right, Squiver? <laughs> oh, yes. Well, yeah. you know the walls on... Um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, oh, what's the board? Chownath. So those walls are four inches high, right? So they're four inches to climb, two inches to clear your base, and then two inches to drop. So you really struggle to get anywhere around them. So for those, they would cost you uh, two inches to climb because of your climbing gear, uh, two inches to move across, and then two inches to drop because you will always drop minimum of weight. But... It does mean instead of taking eight inches to move across, that was only six. So now you can charge people. So you can cl- suddenly go over a wall, and like after that climb, you've now got two a uh, two white uh, one white left. So you can now get a charge, and that kind of thing really throws people off, especially when you only need to spend one white to climb a building for a charge. Really messes people up. Um, the other combos, I think the other combo is just trying to get the bomb squig into combo into combat, but that's not really a combo. That's just kind of, uh, you have to remember the bomb squig has an engage order, right? So the only way to keep it safe, it does have an annoyingly tall antennae, so it's hard to keep invisible. So you're generally invisible. relying on No, 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 because it's visible. Um, they only yeah, need to see the antenna. Invisible. <laughs> yeah, and so it's like it's hard to keep it obscured. Well, out of shooting. So you're generally going to try and keep it obscured or finding buildings or walls it's short enough to hide behind. And just like what what you're trying to do is actually, you're either, if the board isn't safe for you to move up the bomb squig, you're just letting the bomb squig die. Just, you're just leaving it at the back to pass. That's all the bomb squig can do. Or you're running it up the board. So your opponent now has all these threats to deal with. And then it's like threat saturation and surprise bombs. And you've got to. Like sometimes that can do like more harm than good. So if you've got that running up there and say you've got a vantage point that you've managed to get Sniper Boy on, suddenly people are just going, well, I don't want to go into these areas because the bomb squig is going to get to there. Sniper, squig, uh, sniper Boy can shoot to that area. Suddenly you're stopping them getting to places they really do want to go, especially if it's objectives. 
Um, and the last combo is this isn't really a combo, but I always like the Burner Boy. Burner Boy, people hate him. He does some like good work. Him. He does some good uh, work. I, I always give him a chopper. So, like, you're generally yeah. giving your, like, melee arranged pieces a chopper. But it really works. It's just, it's a, it's a boy that just hits on twos. And I like it because you're, it's your most accurate shooting. But also, you're either using it to injure stuff or finish off wounded stuff that's run away from you. Because people forget, they just go, it's just a knot, it's just a burner, right? Yeah. And then you go, here's five dice hitting on twos. Oh, look, I have done five hits. You have you have failed two saves. You've just taken six damage, you're dead. And you're like, oh, oh yeah. Mm. Don't use well, because, it as a ki- killing piece. Because, but- because he's got that short range, it's good to give him the chopper. Because generally, if they are then going to try to clap him back in combat, he's got some sort of defense then. Pretty much. And I think that's all the combos because you can't do the sneaky daka dash combo anymore because of me and because of me um and the, the other key point to remember your commando is real your rocket boy is really weird so he's pseudo heavy but he's kind of like the old oh we didn't know how to write heavy so what, what i mean by <laughs> that is if you activate him first as long as he's stationary you get relentless on all his attacks but you can move after. So you can't move and shoot, but you can shoot and move. So crazy things you can do with the commando spend the rocket boy. Turn one, you get him into position. Turning point two, he has a shot, and then he charges someone or moves out of the way. It's completely legal, and you get all your rerolls. Doesn't make sense, right? But yep. it's completely rules as written. Complete, it, it's basically how me and Charles thought heavy used to work, read until we read the entire heavy section. But it, this is probably just an error on their part that they're never going to fix until we get like a new edition. Yeah. But enjoy it while it lasts. Also, this is another niche bit of, bit of tactics, but you do have one stun gun and it's generally pretty reliable. So your comms, if you ever are in some bizarre situation where you need to stun someone to control of an objective, so actually really good for sneaky gits, but I mean... I mean, that's the uh, shock tactics, but generally just going to give some plus one APL. But what you can do, someone gets too close, fire your shock pistol, it's six dice, four attack, uh, six dice hit on fours, one, one damage, but if you roll a crit, it does stun and two mortal wounds. So statistically, you should get one crit, which will do two mortal wounds, but more importantly, stun someone. So important things to remember because it catches people off guard, right? Yeah. And then the last game is the Commando Grot. This is more just general guidance. Remember, he needs to see where he needs to go, right? Yeah. He is incredibly short and his head is tucked down. He can't see over barricades. He's really short, right? So if you are going to play Commandos, I so I um I already have a laser sight, like the line laser, but I also use a laser dot, you know, like the army painter yeah. do one as well really useful for the commando grot because eventually you're going to have a game where your opponent goes that grot can't see that they may be right but you know what is always right is the laser dot right so you line up to the <laughs> head and shine and go i can see there and the, the messed up thing it's like it's like you know when you shoot over Arcturus, it's got like the oil pump you've got like vantage points and you've got yeah. va- terrain on the vantage points let's say Going through four buildings on the oil pipe, you can just see a spot on the other side of the board. As long as you can get a laser sight to connect, you can fly through all of that 
Like, you just have to see. So as long as you can see a point, even if there's all this terrain in the way, and you technically shouldn't, as long as your commando grot can physically see that point, it's fine. Um, so this is not to encourage modeling for advantage, but the laser dot just helps because it's one of those few niche scenarios where actually seeing where head goes matters. And sometimes opponents will just go, you can't see that. Or you may forget that your grot can't see it. Uh, I, I don't know if you've had this experience. Uh, I'm very particular with how I position him for that very reason, because I never want the opportunity to happen where he's just sat there. Like, yes. I'm going to use him. I want him to be over there, especially if he's doing one of the tack ops. So I can just be like, right, he's done it. I'm gone. He's gone now. And he's off the board. Just because you want to guarantee it. You, you want it to be without any interaction. But I, I, I think um, that's, that's all the tactics, right? So we'll go into matchups now. So for matchups, I don't think... So this is the weird thing. With this latest buff, this kill team is actually, I would generally say, has mostly good matchups now. It's really interesting, but swinging to 11 activations has really powered up this kill team. I don't know if you feel the same way. In theory, but I've not played it to kind of utilize it and kind of gauge it in person. Well, it's like, it's that interesting thing because now there are 11 activations. It's flipped so much and the meta has gone quite close ranged. So if you look at the, at the moment, so we're recording in June, 2023, 18th of June. The yeah. current two top teams are Felgor's Ravagers, which are Beastmen, close combat. And then also the Chaos Coats, which are close combat. Two teams that have no reliable way to shoot down your bomb squig. Their only chance is to run out and auto-pistol it, right? That is their most reliable way of shooting, um, stopping the bomb squig. And your bomb squig will mess them up. Like, as oddly, if you've got Dakar Dakar up, even when you blow up in close combat, you still count as a ranged attack. Yeah. So, you know, you've got four dice, so you've got a 50%, 52% chance to roll a crit. If you roll a crit, you're AP2. And then you're turning a miss into a hit, so you should get four hits, and you'll hit everyone in like blast range. Really good, right? Infiltration is also a lot better, and because everyone's kind of combat, it's weird. So you don't. The, I find the Felgor matchup is quite good because it's just a scratch because they're still four attacks. So if they charge you and you've got just a scratch up, if they decide to fight they can actually die in their own activation, which really messes them up. And then against um, Chaos Cultists, you kill their Cultists in two hits. So they struggle to mutate at you until they've got um, combat support and they've got demons. Yeah. And even with combat support, as long as you get enough hits, they die, right? So it they actually do quite well. I think they only kind of struggle against Marines, but the 11th activation really changes things especially as they now have to worry about the bomb squig. But Marines are, Intercession's probably the toughest matchup still, but you do really well into, I'd say even Harlequins, Hand of the Archon, Corsairs. Um, the only matchup you really struggle with is, I'd say, Vet Guard. But Vet Guard's always been a toughie. Yes, which is so, kind of funny that that's how they were originally released. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, if you look at it, they actually have a positive matchup into most of the field now. They play the missions really well. They love Into the Dark. 
so good on Into the Dark. Like Into the Dark makes them exceedingly better. You're better at fighting in rooms because everyone's on conceal. Um, I'm I'm trying to actually think. Blooded aren't too bad. You have to watch out for Blooded. Um, what do you call it? Ogryn. But I think yep. you have the tools to take him down. Like you have enough. Like the slasher boy would probably do quite well into the Ogryn, or you just dynamite him. Right? <laughs> it's just like, it's like I've had enough of you, lad. Um, I can't legionary. Legionary's odd, yeah. but I think you're better than legionary now because of the damage negation change. Even though you weren't affected by it too much, legionary kind of yeah. So I, I guess the hardest matchups I would say are legionary intercession and vet guard. But once again, if you can get a cheeky to like turning point one second activation dynamite, oh my gosh, you will destroy vet guard crazy <laughs> but um, are there any other matchups you think are good or bad i haven't mentioned i found it quite hard going into uh pathfinders on open boards because yep. if i was slightly caught out of position marker lights gone <laughs> is that 12 operative uh pathfinders or 13 uh or I, both? Say it was, I think it was 12 yeah that's I just fair. found that tough, but it was often open boards where I couldn't necessarily utilize kind of getting like the staging areas well enough, I think. so Yeah, it's like pathfinders are always tough, but the more chances they get to, a sh to shoot is really hard to deal with. Uh, and you can't use the smoke bomb trick on them, unfortunately, because once they get four marker lights on you, they ignore obscuring. Yeah. So it's just kind of like, oh, oh dear. Once, once they're doing well against the Orcs, I found it was very much, it snowballs quite quickly. Like Yes. Because they just spend turning point one pointed marker lights on everyone and then turning point two deleting everyone because they don't care about just a scratch because each gun is four five. And when you've only yeah. got a five up save, you may luckily get one save, but they go, okay, here are my four hits. Are you going to burn just a scratch? Cool. Now your entire team just disappears. And that's generally how it played for me, which was, it was challenging, but I did learn a lot whilst doing it, so. Uh, Inquisition, I think you do quite well into Inquisition. Bre Inquisition with Breach is still tough, but once again, they've got 13 activations, you've got 11, but you have more ways to deal with them because it's one of the teams you actually wanted to get into melee with because they don't have that great melee. And because of your sneaky gets and stuff, you can actually really mess them up, which is really good. Um, what other yeah. teams? Uh, you actually do really well into crew because yes. oddly you have the same activations, but you're better in combat than crew, uh, which is poor crew. Uh, I think breaches is a weird one, but I generally think you should do better than breaches now. I, well, I've had a couple of games against them. I lost one, but won one. And the one that I lost was purely because I, I misplayed it rather than, yeah. It was, I think it was a silly one where I didn't quite get the kill I needed. So I had a guy sat in the open just waiting to get murdered. Well, you can really bully breaches if they all go and conceal because like, you have much better long-range threat. And then yeah. you can literally just do uh, Slasher Boy in your face, Dynamite in your face, come and deal with me. Because they, they have no real choice to do with that. And the smoke, the smoke bomb trick messes them up completely. Because I'm they only have enjoy doing that now. <laughs> yeah, well, because they only have the axe jack and hatch cutter, who generally don't want to be in combat with you, honestly. Um, and I think those are the key matchups. Like Galapox yep. is Galapox isn't going to be great, but you oddly outshoot Galapox 
so it shouldn't actually be that hard. It's just the Nightmare Hawks. Um, but you can kind of use the Rocket and Sniper Boy to shoot them down. Um, but Galapox is just a hard matchup in general because Galapox aren't that balanced. Um, but I think that's it for matchups. So for the overview, um, I think they're pretty good now, overall, I would say. Yeah, they're enjoyable as well. Yeah, they're fun, they're strong, and they're kind of cheap in terms of you only need a little bit. Like, they're not. It's it's just weird. Like, they've aged really well. You only need one box. Um, they're, they're quite forgiving, predictable, but reliable. And they have a great activation game. They're really good at tech ops. They're really good at playing the mission. You just have to as with all teams, have practice. And it's kind of, as I said, the important thing you're going to need to identify is, can, can I punish this team via sneaky gits? Um, can I re- can I reliably score shock tactics against this team? Or can I bully this team in terms of, can I make them feel terrified? Because you want, like, turning point one, you can start turning point one with, like, um, the sniper boy on advantage. The um slasher boy who sneaky git as well as the um dynamite both on opposite flanks both ready to threaten the opponent turning point one so you want to box your opponent and feel make them feel like they're boxed in so then future turning points you can just move up freely but it's all about applying pressure but oddly fitting commandos it's more psychological pressure than actual real pressure that makes sense Yes. Because, like, if a team can outshoot you or outfight you, they're not too scared. Because you can fire them, kill one guy, but then they will fire back. And once they've killed your shooting, they can just move up freely. So it's always that kind of thing. You kind of want to get into your opponent's head. So it's oddly fitting all this psychological warfare. But if you're <laughs> applying all this pressure, it allows you to move the bomb squig up for free. Allows your grot to just waste stuff. Like your grot is a perfect stall operative because your grot will be an operative you activate first or whatever to do something that you need to score, but will just slow down your opponent. Or you activate your grot last so your opponent can do like gather surveillance onto an objective, like secure an objective in enemy territory and score you gather surveillance. Really, really. Yes. Yeah, really, really good. Um, Yeah, the only trick is not to overextend. So I, I like a common thing I've seen commando players do is they'll sneak get everyone on one flank and leave another flank exposed. So then you kind of just move away and then the commando struggle to, struggle to catch you. Yeah. Or you you counter-focus down that flank and then you go, okay, I've now taken the brunt out of your kill team. It's free for me to just move up. And then, yeah, it's just taking the wrong decisions. So like... Um, big ones are just shooting the Dacker boy at long range when he would have been better getting a close range shot, like even waiting the turn to get a shot Great. or just making the wrong charges or committing too early, which is really hard because remember you've got 11 activations, so you don't need to rush. Even if, the only time you kind of need to rush is if you're in your opponent's face and you want to get a turn one activation two dynamite or turn one activation one charge with the slasher boy. Yeah. But it's, easy to set up and play around but it's all really just practice you kind of um my biggest tip would be learn how to play infiltration because you'll get the most out of it i mean you could also play 
Seek and destroy. It's fine. Like you'd probably go route, um, Robin ransack, maybe eliminate guards. But you're boxing your opponent in so much, you'll struggle actually to pick free. Um, and then always I- remember, if people charge you or you charge block people, remember if you don't use um, just a scratch, always pop at the end. If you're in combat, just fight, eliminate someone because everyone forgets about it because your opponent's like. I need to, you're in my face. I need to keep in mind this. I need to watch out for your shooters. I need to watch out for your grot. I need to watch out for your, your squig. I need to watch out for your objectives, especially if you've revealed shock tactics. They'll forget about you fighting at the end of the turning point. So it's like you all have all these tricks and it's just applying pressure, not to make your opponent unaware, but just give them too many threats to think about so they don't know which one is the right one. Yes. Um, do you have anything else to add, John? Not really. If anything, be more patient with your CP as well, because the amount of times I've wanted to fight at the end and I haven't been able to, yeah. it happens a lot. <laughs> Where I'm just I, like, I should, I should have, I should have kept some, and I don't. Yeah, I would say a lot of the time, even though it's really tempting to forward deploy free operatives or sneaky gear, I think it's better just to do it twice, and then have one CP spare. So when you go into turning point one, you have two CP, so then you have enough CP to do your free dash forwards because that's really important. And then, you know, in turning point two, it means you have more CP to play around with, because, you know, especially if you're suiciding an operative, never burn just a scratch if you're on a suicide operative. Like, I've seen people who have, like, suicided the slasher boy, and they're like, oh, cool, I'll do just a scratch on the first attack. And it's like, but I why? mean, I've what got no one else to shoot at. You have slowed down one of my shooters, but I have two more. Like, it's that kind of thing. If someone is going to die... Granted, if your opponent completely messes up, like they're shooting, obviously use just a scratch to keep, like if it's their last shooting for the activation, obviously use just a scratch then. But never use, like your your slasher boy's charged and killed someone, never use it on the first salvo if it's going to kill, because especially if they have other shooters who don't have a shot, all you're just doing is like wasting a CP at that point. Yeah. So CP management is really important for this team. For this team. Because without that, you fall apart. Yep. Um, things you have to watch out for, uh, hand of the Archon, making your Just a Scratch 2CP, which effectively locks out the game for you. And oddly, Inquisition with Absolute Authority currently, because they can use Absolute Authority every turn to turn off Just a Scratch. So that's those are the two teams you need to watch out for. Boring. Just don't play them. That's what I'd say. Well, it's it's weird, um, because it, it punishes you for relying on Just a Scratch as a crutch, but then it just leaves you free to do other stuff, because you can go like... Um, you can start doing, you know, your dash and then daka 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 every turn and just doing crazy charges and shots. Um, but yeah, I think that's pretty much it. We kind of covered everything for the team, I believe. Um I'd say so. Anything anything we need to add, Scrivo? Um They're they're really good models to actually use in 40k the main game as well. They're quite really? a oh. they're a relatively solid piece in what was ninth edition, and it, they look like they'll still be usable in in tenth as well. So you get double value out of them as well, which I think That's is good. kind of cool to touch on. Because sometimes you look at a kill team and go, "I like these star striders, but when will I realistically use these in forty k?" Also, always remember to scream "war" when you when you use the war ploy. No, that's a hate crime, and I would always not always scream scream at the top of your lungs. I won't. I, I will do the polite version. War. Uh, I've seen some people go wog, and I'm just like, please no, 
we cannot we cannot talk anymore. <laughs> I the the thing is, Games Workshop said it in one of their own damn videos. They were like, "Oh, this call a walk," and I was like, "You you morons! What have you done? You can't know. It's war or war or with like more delay." Um, exactly but they're sure. a fun team. They're fun. They team. Are. Commando players are usually quite chill. I'm not at all. <laughs> but um, that's pretty much it for today. We'll probably do. Uh, we've done free guides now, so we'll probably do something different for next time. If you if you want us to cover something else, let us know. But uh, where can people find you, Scrivo, if they wanted to uh, uh, find I'm you? At Scrivo Art on most social media things. You can catch Scrivo there. You can send him a coffee. Co- Is that yep. a coffee co- yeah. as well? Coffee, yeah. Yes. A coffee. So, yeah. Uh, and remember, I, I can't. I almost went the entire episode without mentioning it. But did you know I went to Nova? No, no, no. What I'm really talking about is uh, Rob. Oh, jeez. Rob, why won't you won't you reply to my messages? You never listen to my podcasts. Why? You should check out The Honest Wargamer. <laughs> I'm not a playtester, though, by the way. Really. Really not a playtester. But <laughs> please, I'm generally not. I know. It's, it's really like different. with it. No, everyone online is that is it's gotten to the point where they're like, wink, wink, we understand. John is like, no, no, I'm being serious. It's like, ah, ah, that's what a playtester would say. No, it's really, really not what a playtester would say anymore. <laughs> playtesters would tell you everything now. <laughs> not that they have. Not that they have. Unless you play 40k, they might come onto your Facebook page and give a really dodgy speech. <laughs> But if you get that reference, you know too much about Warhammer drama. <laughs> but until that, until next time, once again, thank you for being on Scriver. I hope you had fun and enjoyed the Shatterpoint. I did. I've I've built half the Shatterpoint starter set whilst we've been That's talking, good. which has been uh, useful. Um, uh, and I picked a subject where you actually know more about the kill team. Yeah. Um, I, well, it's actually my main kill team, so it was just it was really nice to be able to talk about them and not be like. In theory, this is what I think. So, got some practice. But yeah, until next time, keep rolling crits, especially if you shout, wah.